There she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the 300th episode of the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. Its mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host... This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. And this is Paul. And this is Tohoka. Welcome to the TrogTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of having an amazing time playing games, and all of a sudden you realize it's the 300th episode! 300! Unbelievable! Yes, we have been doing this for six years. Let's uh, go on to talk about methods of time travel. The first one I have is unexpected. What are unexpected methods of time travel? I would say like walking through a random rift. Just energies in the space-time continuum cause a confluence and wham, you're walking down the street, one of those rifts form and boom, you're shot forward or back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interrupt someone or something, and they just go, and now you're in the future. What's going on? <laughs> okay. Well, as far as traveling to the future, there are non time travel methods. Oh, yeah. Stasis fields. Sure. Fairy mounds. Yeah, the movie Sleeper, Woody Allen. Uh, Idiocracy. That's another one. Going real fast. <laughs> Time dilation, sure. Morrow Project. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sleeping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, of course, there's always a dimensional rift from a time-retarded or advanced universe. Mm -hmm. Right, like like the fringe where the uh, problem portals, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Came from an alternate Earth where you went through some kind of a rift, and that particular universe was time-retarded. You actually haven't time-traveled. You Just your universe that you came from, time started later, and so the events hadn't caught up, weren't in the same sync as they were in another universe. So it seems like time travel, which is important if you're talking about that whole chronon thing that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, because remember, remember in Vera 13, there's other ways of going to other, other dimensions besides the portals. Yes. Yeah, there's many, too many ways of going other places. There's that time swap I mentioned where the, the real traveler goes forward or backward in time and you get hijacked and you end up in another time. Finding a naturally occurring wormhole that links you up between, you know, where one ends in the past and one ends in the future, and you step through, and, you, you, and oh, I'm in Times Square. You know, this is another way of doing it, too. Yeah, so uh, uh, that's, a, that's a more scientific one. <laughs> and my favorite, the will of godlike beings. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Bruce, I was going to bring that. That was going to be mine. I was going to say, say, what about divine time travel? 
you know, some divine being says, you need to be there. Bam, you're there. And you're like, what? But it was divine to get there, though. It could could be infernal, too. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. And, and of course, that means also that, you know, the plot hammer is going to be around there real, you know, I mean, you're there for a reason. This isn't just, you know, you going on a on a vacation or in the case of where there's a time swap where somebody else is off uh, seeking their destiny. You just have to be, you know, thrown into some location because it was, you know, chronologically uh, necessary to balance the equations. So... But uh, so I would prefer the will of God-like beings in a lot of cases because at least, you know, you know there's something for you to do. So, you know, besides, of course, you know, hang around at Times Square, which, you know, if you know what Times Square is like. It's actually they cleaned up their act. It used to be a really scuzzy place. All right. So that any more unexpected methods of time travel? Depending on what game you're playing. Well, we're, all right, so we're talking BR13. So what if – what if – uh, a future being creates uh, something like a tesseract, uh, a la Interstellar, um, for a mission. You know, they 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 create this this time portal for you from the future, and maybe it's you know the Bureau Thirteen from from thirty one hundred, and they're like, we need you to do something. You know, it's sort of like the divine the divine thing where you have a mission that you have to do. Yeah. Because something has gone gone wrong, but it's it's actually some time agency in the future sending you there using some kind of black you know a port a black hole portal technology. Okay. Also, thing we're not we're not talking about Groundhog Days either, which is a, which no. is something t- no. different. Time slips, yeah, and and a, a kind of a time loop. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull I'm gonna go run over to the Cartoon Network and bring this back. You can you can you can use the DD method. Ooh, what does this button do? <laughs> DD, don't touch the button. We love that. We love that show for just that. Nothing else. Just the whole ooh. <laughs> the new Peabody and Sherman. Oh yeah. Oh my, that was a mess, wasn't it? Yeah. Actually, I'm also thinking uh, if you say accidental, accidental on purpose, basically, I'm thinking of the time tunnel. Uh, basically, they both get tossed. The, the entire facility is built to be a time time machine, and but they end up getting tossed into into the past, and they keep getting bounced around. So, intentionally, they went, intentionally went back in time, but because the machine's broken or not, it doesn't work exactly right. They're being tossed around. Yeah, it basically get tossed around to different time periods, you know. So, so that in that case, that's accidental after the fact. You know what? Talking about BR thirteen, I've got one completely unexpected. What if you are? Uh, what if you encounter some mage, like you say, Matthias Bolt, right? And he hits you with a spell that sends you uh, a month into the future. Because that way you can't mess with him for the next month. He needs a month to do something, to get something done. He sends you a month into the future. You don't see any ramifications. You don't, you're like – and you, you're, the adventure might be like, what did he do? We can't figure it out. You know, And it's like really important. And you know, maybe you never go back because you, you basically lose a month of time. But that's fine because you're not, you're not even a month older or anything. But – the adventure itself turns out to be figuring out what happened in that month. 
Why was it so important to him to get rid of you for a month? Right. You know, why were why were you in the way? Was it really just walking down the wrong street when he was doing something? And right. Or were you important that if he didn't get rid of you, then whatever he tried to do wouldn't have happened? And, and of course, if you're writing an adventure for this, it, it's something important. There, were, there was a reason. Of course. Yes, right. Of course. <laughs> yes, it better be. Well, Absolutely. Right. Well, Your players are counting on you. At the very least, he's just collecting another Nazi. Or yeah. something. No, no. I'm just saying. But, but you know, that would be really that would be a really neat, neat kind of adventure because it's it. You know, you don't see any change. Uh, you only went a month into the future. I mean, it's like it's almost as if it was innocuous, like as, as if it was not really that big a deal. But you know, it was because to send somebody a month into the future is not a minor. It's it's not a minor deal. Yeah. You know. And so it's like, it, and it's important that you were. There, like sleeping or in a, a right, right. A, exactly. You, he, he you, wanted you gone, 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 like straight up gone. All right. Well, let's talk about expected methods of time travel. And the first one, of course, is the time machine. Yep. So, and I have here listed, you know, like Time Patrol. Love their little time time scooters from Poole Anderson. And then there's the time tunnel we already mentioned. It's a device supposed to work. And don't forget the time machine itself, the original Wellesian machine, uh, basically, which if you think about it theoretically, it, you know, going to the future for that machine might actually put you into a stasis field, which would, you know, it would look just like what happened in the movie, which is everything goes, builds up around you and so forth, but you're protected because you're in this time stasis field. And you, you can't you can't cross the barrier between you know because you're really in a little pocket universe at that point. But that's one machine. And Rich, there's the time donut. Uh, time donut, which is another expected time bagel. A time bagel, time which bagel. is a basically a time a random time displacement. From what I, I'm, I'm told, looked an awful lot like the uh, device in the city on the edge of forever, the Star Trek episode. Maybe, except it was brown. And there was a blue box. Oh yeah, with a shine, a little shiny light on top. <laughs> yeah, see if a British gent or lady, because let's be honest. Well, in you know, while the disinformation campaign you know forum has been very successful, the doctor you know he you know he or she doesn't really is kind of gender gender in, you know flexible, so it could be a woman coming out of there just as much as a guy. So, but yeah, I, so what is the bureau protocol when the doctor shows up in America? Good question, um, Richard. <laughs> oh, I think they immediately <laughs> notify Eunice. The British yeah. version. Yeah, MI-16? 13? MI-13? When they first talked to MI-13, who would then talk to a unit? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Time Traveler is mostly space. He deals yeah. with aliens. Yeah. But, but, but I, 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 some various things that you first off, A, A, since, it, since there is a disinformation campaign going out about him, Number one thing you gotta do is a verify that he is the doctor. 
Now, normally that means it's being hanging around for 15 minutes, and you realize this insufferable so-and-so is the doctor because no one else could be, hit, could be act like that. But you still need to do one more very important thing. Can we see inside the TARDIS? Because if it's just a box, you you clap it, you, you you knock him in the head and send him to bureau retraining at that point. Uh, but if it's it is bigger on the inside, then you then you know you're dealing with the doctor, or it's the master. Well, that's true too. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, <laughs> and any other yeah. time, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do we? You know, do does do bureau agents? If you can verify he the, he is the doctor, that do all bureau agents render all aid? To the doctor as possible. I mean, it's pretty much what unit does. I've never <laughs> crossed that path. Hopefully, I never will. I I know people have run uh, Bureau uh, Thirteen uh, campaigns there. They had the doctor in it. The issues in the campaign had nothing to do with it. You know, it being the doctor it had to do with the fact that you had one player who had a character that was so uber compared to all the rest. That you know, the rest of them were just basically tagalongs at that point. Yeah, I got many years ago. This was able to set in a Doctor Who uh, cross Bureau Thirteen uh, game, and uh, it was about historical travel. He was dealing with a group of three comedians from the nineteen thirties and forties, and the adventure was entitled Mo Larry Daleks. Oh God. Oh, certainly. I'll never get that two hours back in my life. <laughs> exterminate! Exterminate! Eh? <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, people would be tempted to have the doctor show up, and yeah, I mean. Let's be honest, you know, it's, it, it's, there's all this, you know, unig, unig, technically all stories are true. So, yes, the doctor's out there someplace. And when he does show up, he usually, it's usually he's a pain in the butt for the people in Britain. But he would, sometimes shows up and does things like help Nixon, um, you know, and things like that. Uh, that was wonderful. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and disturbing. Yeah. And Vincent Van Gogh. And Vincent yeah, Van Gogh. Yeah. And Vincent Van Gogh, yeah, and, Winston Churchill, uh, yeah, and Pompey, yeah. but he, he he but he does, but he's an example of a responsible time traveler. He 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 does his very best not to change what has what has happened, and he's also you know, and when he does try to change, well, as we saw in that one episode, time you know basically time fixes itself, for the most part. You know, the, the waters of Mars is a great example of time fixing itself partially because only one person fulfilled their destiny. The other two didn't. And then they had the other episode where somebody went back in time and tried to change time and all these, these creatures appeared and tried to eat up everybody involved so that it wouldn't be so that the changes wouldn't be propagated. So, yeah, Rose went back. Rose went back to save her father. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, those type of creatures that I've seen a name for them in multiple things called Paradox Guardians. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Stephen King movie. What the, what was that called? The things that ate the runways and the Langoliers. Langoliers. Yes. Langoliers, correct. That that means there is that other time group out there, the people who basically build the universe between each blank second. 
It's been at least more than one story, you know, at least one story I know dealt with the fact that, you know, it's between plank seconds. Erie, Indiana did one. Yeah, so like that. Yeah, I can't remember. There was a movie about about that, too, where the guy realized, okay, these people actually are in control of reality. Okay. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, the uh, another you know, other expected me- methods of time travel are using psychic or magic, uh, where you cast a spell or you use a magical ritual or you have a psychic ability that allows you to travel forward and backward at a time like, a, uh, like Bruce can. Another ver- variation of that is simple willpower, and that's from somewhere in time. But of course, it only works if you can somehow find period clothing, period a period place to be, and then you convince yourself through self-hypnosis that you are actually back there in time. Ah, yes. Reeve Jane Seymour, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to have you have to have it at a level of obsession to be able to do this because when he came back, he went crazy. He came back because he left a penny in his pocket. The point was, is that when he came back, he went crazy and died. Okay, so I'm just saying is that this is this takes a certain level of commitment that probably might not work too well as a Bureau 13 episode as far as the players are concerned. I mean, the, the PC characters. Now, they might very well find somebody who went you know, crazy that way, and then that would say, hey, they went somewhere, and we need to see what the fallout from that is. Now, it is possible, just simply by traveling faster than the speed of light, you can go backwards in time. You just have to solve that problem about the whole you know, mass increasing as you approach the speed of light. Uh, you, you know, you, you, this is the Bureau 13 universe, which is also the Incursion universe. You just have to take, turn off, take, turn off the, the temporal dampers on your, on your spaceship, and, and then, then, then now you can go past your light cone and right before you left. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't see where anywhere in the in the book it mentioned that, but uh, we've we've always said Incursion Universe is the Bureau Thirteen year. No, I know that, but I'm just saying anything. I don't recall anything in the book about temporal dampers, but well, because there's no time travel. Because if there's no time travel, it means people are putting in, making sure you can't do the bit where you go where you steer yourself past your light cone, which is the, a term for. Where 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 you exist and where time is, or when they use they they have you know their phase drive or whatever it's you know it's a different kind of space. Okay, now we have not we have other games that were produced by TriTech that deals with this very situation, which you know where they have simple devices that don't use very much power at all, but they can negate like ninety nine percent of the uh, mass of an object. Well, let's say you had. Let's say you had one that was re- even better that could negate one hundred percent of the mass of an object. You turn to a photon. Well, you wouldn't turn to anything because uh, you, uh, according to the games, you'd look exactly like you did before. But now you would be able to travel faster than the speed of light, and in so doing, you would travel backwards in time because that's what's supposed to happen when you go faster than the speed of light. According to special relativity, that's what's supposed to happen. Actually, if you get negative mass, then you would end up going faster than the speed of light. But yeah, that's <laughs> wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Okay, the point is, is that we already have things inside the TriTech 
concept that might allow this to happen. Uh, they, they used the same idea in the Frederick Poole Heechee series, where those particular starships also reduced mass, which is why they were able to travel faster than the speed of light and go to other star systems. They didn't have any trouble with time dilation until they fell into a black hole, but that's exactly how they were able to get in and out of things. And that's how the Heechee were able to hide in a black hole and then leave, is because they were able to hide or negate their mass, and so the, the great gravity of the black hole didn't have any effect on them. Because when you mentioned going zero mass, that actually is the star drive from the, engine, the uh, Cosmonaut Keep uh, novels, I think Engineer, the Engineer series, by Ken McLeod, where the ships basically become massive photons, and they travel fast as light, which means for everyone on board, time stops. They experience no time until the ship drops back into norm, into normal mass again afterwards, and you know shows up someplace thousands of light years away, which means they're also thousands of years in the future, which is a, which is like you said the other way of traveling to the future at least is you know going fa- as fast as light or or faster than light or actually fast as light or or through time dilation. Uh, the other way, of course, is through conveniently placed wormholes. Where one is in the present and one is in the future. Keep saying that, John, like that makes any sense. But okay. No, okay, okay. By moving worm, if you move one wormhole mouth uh, at speeds close to light, it experiences time dilation and time for it slows down. The other wormhole mouth is not experiencing any time time dilation, so it stays at normal time. So you're seeing. So basically, it's going into the future while the other one's going into the past. Time, time speaking. So, 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 one's going in the future, one's going, one's staying in the past, and you end up with these two mouths, which are actually at different time periods, and you can use that to travel in time. Now, of course, Stephen Hawking says if they get too close to each other, you get, uh, well, basically feedback from virtual particles, and they basically uh, shut down and collapse. Now. This means it'll be a very bright flash, about, about bright and brightest years in your life when that happens. But yeah, it's like most when most time machines decide to stop working. At the very least, you're lucky if they just level the building in the process uh, from the explosion, because <laughs> it takes lots of energy to, to break time. Well, that's what I was talking about. That whole you know uh, equals mc squared per second per second. And then there could be a temporary conversion to tachyons, which travel either at or faster than the speed of light, which could then carry you backward in time. Uh, it might be, as you said, where you have no, you're, while you're in this form, you, time doesn't seem to travel for you, and then bam, when you convert back, then you're just somewhere in the past, you know, and everything's, everything's fine, everything's working again, much like the whole um, Star Trek uh, transporter thing. That or you experience time in reverse, and you remember leaving the destination while arriving at your depart at your departure. I mean, would that be a good idea to include in an adventure, John? Nah, we're talking about time travel adventures here, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Flash you in the past. Now, of course, there could be a time rift, okay? Or someone could have a a map of a lot of small time rifts. It allowed you to go from one place to another and jump forward and backwards over many different time periods. Mm-hmm. Something that Terry yeah. Gilliam might have written about? 
Indeed, that might have happened. And they might be very small and hard to squeeze through, yes. <laughs> you just need the map, you know. <laughs> uh, again, the will of God-like beings, you know. Uh, if you know that God's going to send you in the past and God sends you in the past, well, then I guess you're in the past. And then one thing that we don't see enough of, actually, is where you have linked objects uh, to uh, the past and the future. Things like pictures. Because at one time, going through a picture to the past or the future was a, a popular literary device. And also, I think not, every, not everything requires time travel, but time leakage. Like, uh, a, good, a good one is the, old fashion, is the old time windows. Now, when I say a time window, it doesn't actually mean a window window. It means an, an area of a place, say, in an old barn, that if you walk, if you, when you walk near it, you see people, but they look kind of like ghosts. What they really are is people from the past appearing through a time window. And they may or may not see you as well at that point. You can't go in the past. They can't come in the future, but you can see each other and maybe communicate with each other. Wasn't there a Doctor Who episode where they had paintings that were actually trapped pockets of time? Yes, I remember that. Yeah, and, and, and it was all about this one little girl who grew up. <laughs> Right, right, and and like, uh, I think oh, Madame Pompadour. I think maybe that was the one. That was the one, but mm-hmm. but that that's kind of cool in the fact that you would actually go back in time to that to that place. Let's say you could go into that painting or picture or however you want to look at it, and you could. I mean, and this would be a cool a cool adventure idea where you could go back in time and you could do this adventure, but it wouldn't affect the future because it's not. You are going back in time, but you're going back into a pocket. So it's it is back in time, but it's separated from the future. So it's it literally put on its own timeline. I I would imagine. Yeah, and Interstellar was all about that. Yeah. You know, it was one bookcase. <laughs> well, you know, time travel doesn't have to be about people. You know, sometimes the time travel, you know, uh, what should we call it, is an object that's either fallen forward in time or backward in time. Uh, paradox objects are things like the watch. That's that Christopher Reeves' character got in somewhere in time. It has no beginning. It has no end. Or, or Captain Kirk's glasses from the from the movies. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, or Johnny B. Good uh, from from the, from the Back to the Future movies. Uh, where did it come from? Because Chuck Berry got from Marty McFly, and Marty McFly got from Chuck Berry. Where did it come from? <laughs> right. You know, yeah, you know, paradox objects would be very obvious. Cause I think cause if you if you if we do have chronons, these things are lousy with them because they could be billions of years old. You know, unless they're memes like ideas. Ideas, you never know. But with uh, actual f- physical objects, they could be even older than the universe because they've been around the block that many times. In Bureau 13, this is actually a, a common trope where something drops through from a past or the future, whether it be a dinosaur, whether it be a ray gun, whether it be something that would radically alter the past, having, having it be there. Or, you know, along the lines of, you know, uh, a piece of the action. You wouldn't want, you know, if, if it's not too far crazy tech, or even if it is crazy tech, just the fact that it exists... Let's people say, hey, you know, we 
that that exists. That can be done. And then people put a lot of effort toward trying to figure out how it could be done. And science that might have taken centuries to develop develops in a fraction of the time because people know that it's possible. Oh, like a certain arm that someone left behind? That's right. In Terminator. And the socks in my washer? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, that's a different t- entire pro- entirely different problem, Bert, Richard. That's a, that's actually alternate okay. universe that eats socks. They all go into orbit, you know, to a a, a, a flying bureau, uh, dresser bureau, and they're all minions of the great powerful Argyle. Oh, oh no, they start out oh, as paper clips. And I'm not and I'm not making that up, by the way. That is actually from uh, Ambush Bug. The, the comic series by Marvel. <laughs> uh, yeah. DC. No, 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 no you're, you're... Yes, yeah. Ambush folks, DC. DC, yeah. yeah. Your left sock, your, your missing sock turns into paper clips, which then turn into coat hangers, which then turns into something else. It's actually from a story. And you don't want to know what happens but they, if you find this out because they turn on you. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk about actually running the adventure, Okay. So you have to make some decisions as to what kind of an adventure you're going to run, okay? So the first thing is, you know, that you have to ask yourself is, are the agents just going to be agents of destiny? I mean, are they going to be told, you know, to make the, uh, the events match a pattern to save the future? You know, is that the goal of the adventure? You know, where, you know, the, the task may have been changed, but you, you can still save the future by making sure that, you know, a certain person actually grows up to be, you know, somebody grows up to be this kind of a scientist or, um, you know, or this, or you get rid of the object that has, you know, has happened or somehow you change the present to model, at least, you know, from a, a temporal standpoint, what the past, you know, what, what the results of the past should have been. And that may, those, that's where you become agents of destiny. Making sure a couple gets together that for some reason didn't get together, and their kid then grows up to be someone important, right? Or something horrible. Or something horrible. Sure. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes, like for example, there's a lot of cultists out there that want something, certain things to happen. Okay, and you know, and it's you know, the, the stars are right. Well, you know, it may be that the stars are right more than once. And they may use time travel to try to hurry up a prophecy or accelerate, you know, some aspect of the future. And so it's up to you to really try to put the brakes on to make sure that, you know, that that world altering event doesn't occur, you know, until it has to occur or, you know, at least certainly not now when it didn't occur before. So that that might also be what you're trying to do, which is to counteract that hurry up aspect. You know, if if you need everybody to believe, for example, believing in the supernatural, the bureau's always been against people believing in the supernatural for a variety of reasons. But if 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 in fact is if if a increase in believing in the supernatural will cause certain events to occur, which may bring about. Armageddon may bring about, you know, the arrival of uh, Cthulhu, uh, whatever, you know, then, you know, you're going to be working against that, you know, that future that they're trying to bring to pass, you know, by, you know, 
by trying to stop them in any way. And and that going backward in time is a, is a really good way of keeping making events go in the direction that you want them because you already have knowledge of how the events worked out and you know not what not to do. You know, the, because these things happen, the future we want didn't happen. So let's change those events so the future we want does happen. And then you have to end up, you know, doing your best to uh, either undo or block the, those effects they're trying to do. It could be something along the line of making sure Nixon get, gets elected in 1960 for whatever reason. I don't think that would actually been very good for us if he had been elected in sixty. Because him and Nixon, the anti-communist dealing with Castro and, and, and Khrushchev instead of Kennedy during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And Lord knows which way that way went. Yeah. Now, if you actually do want to write an adventure where you're actually going to have time travel occurring inside of it, um, it's really tough. It's really hard to do. And one of the things that I've been... I've always thought about doing, but I've never actually sat down and tried to do it, which was to write an adventure where there's multiple encounters of a time traveler who's moving backwards. So the first time you run into them is like after he's already run into you like three or four times already. There's a whole novel written that way. Is that right? Carnation of Time by uh, Piers Anthony. The main character in that is living backwards. From the moment he accepts the position as the incarnation of time, he receives an hourglass that provides him a bunch of other powers. And for him, the last time he meets them is the first time they meet someone and he's traveling backwards. So when you first run into this person, they're going to be the most knowledgeable about you. They're going to be the you know they're going to be the most prepared to deal with you and anything that you might try to do, okay, um, and therefore they're going to seem really really strong. But as you, you know, but assuming of course that you know, and so you're probably you, know, you may or may not be able to thwart them. They may just basically stomp you, okay. But then as you take additional encounters with this particular person, they actually may become weaker and less competent because they're going to have less and less information about you because and you're going to getting more and more information about them because you've already encountered them you've seen their powers you've seen their techniques and strategies so when you finally so the question have it runs into as a designer is that when they run into the uh, to them the last time they encounter this person and the first time this person encounters them what happens the doctor and river. Does the agent say, look, we have to let this guy win because then if he does it, then all these other things we've happened won't happen. Okay. Or do we, or do you nip it in the bud and therefore causality goes crazy and you created an enormous paradox then that you're going to have to live with the consequences. Now, Bruce is laying out the nice way of doing this, which is, you know, everything, you know, the farther back, the earlier in the story, the farther back in the past the guy is. Now you could be mean, and it could be all over the place. That the last time you meet him is the second time he's met you, or it's the second to last time he's met you. So you never know how this, how this stuff would go on at that point. Right. Well, well what fun would that be? Uh, you run him at different power levels. You know, and I, but I actually like your way better because one a it's easier for the GM. Yeah, I like that. And we always want. 
and we always want to be your GM. But you do have that time paradox thing. Do you, you know, hey, uh, do, like you said, do you do you stop him or do you let him go? You know, do you just let him have his little victory and run off? And you go, okay, well, say like air. <sighs> I mean, yeah, literally, it's, it's letting the guy win at the end, even though a lot of folks may not like may not like that. So, you, uh, of course, the big thing about you know may stopping him. Uh, you know, uh, you may be forced to go, okay, we stopped him. What do we do now? Well, I got the time machine. Okay, I know what we got to do. Get the makeup kit, and you put on the time device, and you go back, and you have to repeat all those things you just did to yourselves. Oh, Highlands, <laughs> All You Zombies. A wonderful movie. Yeah. Yeah, especially but that one's a difficult one to do because now the GM, you you got to remember how each one of those things went. And I'm going to go, don't worry about it. Just be close how everything goes, how those previous adventures happened. Because you'll never be exact unless, you, you know, it'll just be close. And that's the best thing you can do is be close. There actually is a role-playing game based on time travel, a good one, uh, where, you, where, they, where they have rules for this stuff. They actually, I can't, I can't remember its name though. I'm sorry, I'm blanking out right now. Was that Freesetter's Time Master? It might have been that, or it might have been a different one, but it actually also may have been a homegrown one too, which is another reason why I don't remember its name. Uh, but they actually, the players were, were required to keep a journal of, what, of, of, of when they met each other. Because you're dealing with multiple time travelers and you're meeting at different time points in time. And you got to keep track of when you met somebody. You know, you may have actually met them when, when they've known you for 100 years and you're meeting them for the first time. You know, like I said, you know, doc, the doctor and river, uh, you know, you know keeping track of – you need a journal to keep track of this stuff. Uh, as players, however, now you're, you're depending on your faulty memory going back in time and doing, the, doing this stuff to yourselves now. And try to remember how it happened, and making sure, and then, and watch the GM just laugh at you as you try to make sure everything goes the way you think it went. Well, one of the things uh, the adventures might be where you have a time traveler who's come back in time, and you end up having to protect the time traveler because you need to send them back to the future or send them back to the past so they can continue to do their life in the future or past, which is necessary. So you end up in this situation where you're rescuing the time traveler from whatever situation they've gotten themselves into by coming to your particular dangerous time, i.e. the 21st century in this world. Yeah, and you can always spot guys from the future because they always want to drive a car and they have no idea how to do it. It's invariable. I mean, every time you see someone from the future comes back, they have to hop in the car and try driving it. They're probably all drive-by-wire in the future. Okay. I mean, the trope for this, of course, is, is Captain Kirk trying to drive a car in a uh, piece of the action. Not necessarily time travel, but close enough we can get to it. You know, he has no idea how to drive a stick. <laughs> All the grinding, 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 yeah. Yeah. Then there's the one where he goes and says, okay, and he just turns the car right off the cliff because all his cars have hover you know, units in them, and they just fly <laughs> when you do that. Whoops. Okay. Um, of course, now if a time traveler is inhabiting the mind of a local, it's going to be really hard to detect unless 
you know, they're, they, they start breaking local laws or, you know, or, or something that would in, in basically let you know that this person is wacky. So, you know, it, again, having other indicators that time travel has occurred is going to be kind of important in that situation and or, so that you can then, you know, start looking for the outsider, the person who's behaving improperly. Basically, like you're not supposed to do when you're an agent. <laughs> who's not fit, who's, who, who basically fits in like you do whenever you try to infiltrate a gang or something and you have no skill in it. I ran a wonderful game where they went back in time, but being that they couldn't go back in time, their minds went back in time to the 1870s and into the minds of children, a cluster of children in a small town, and a goat. Right, and that makes perfect sense because children don't matter. Nobody listens to children. Nobody pays attention to children. No matter what they say, it's, you know, it's ridiculous. So, you know, you could do things and say things and make mistakes and it wouldn't affect the timeline because nobody's taking you seriously. Except the goat. Yeah. Well, yeah. of course, the goat, you know. So you can, if you want to, okay, invoke strong narrative in these stories, okay, which is kind of like we are talking about the, you know, you, you, you basically say, okay, these things are going to happen. They have to happen because otherwise, you know, time doesn't work and my adventure doesn't work. But you have the choices, the smaller choices. There's going to be things that have to happen no matter what you do. And, you know, the players need to drink the Kool-Aid and go along with it. But you need to balance it really carefully so that there's lots of player choice outside of the things that absolutely have to happen. So speaking about that, okay, uh, what are the things we want to avoid when we write a a, uh, time travel adventure? Basically, screwing up the timeline so badly, you're not sure how to fix it. Okay. You know, you know what you're doing. <laughs> Forcing them into an obvious paradox. Like you said, originally, you deal with the time traveler who's going, who basically is meeting them in different points of time. Uh, I can imagine some, some things where, you know, you know, you're forcing them to, to you know, shoot Lincoln. <laughs> you know... <laughs> You know, not and not at, and not at Ford Theater, but when he was in Gagsburg from a long range rifle, and you got to kill him now, you know, and things like that, and forcing you know forcing them to do things that you know theoretically they shouldn't be able to do, because then if you can kill Lincoln, what's your present like? I mean, you know, or if you can't, or if you or you stop Lincoln from being killed, what's your present like? You know, your player characters may not be able to go back, and then you're creating a whole new story at, at that point. You know, or if they go back, there's nothing them to go back to, so to speak. So that actually could be a campaign where, yeah, by by doing this, we we change the future. We can't go back because the future won't be there anymore for us. You know, okay, and we're stuck back here. So I mean, that that would be a change your game, but to avoid time travel, I mean, trying to think what what go to the TV tropes page, and I'm saying this with trepidation. And look up time travel. There'll be a lot of a lot of things there you probably don't want to do in your time travel story. There are cliches. Here's one: omniscient protagonists. Okay, you don't want your your protagonists to be too smart. I mean, come on, they're facing the bureau. It's a secret agency. These people mostly don't have identities that are real. 
So it's not very reasonable to expect that the that when they come in and they even if they've got some huge computer system that's recorded all kinds of information, it doesn't mean they necessarily know anything about the team that they're facing. So you know, don't don't make your you know uh, your protagonist too capable in regards to the agents. Let the agents be the, its weakness because it doesn't know what they're going to do next. It doesn't know their capabilities. It doesn't know you know, and especially if it doesn't believe in the supernatural. If you've been doing your job, then you've got you could have you know. Claire, I mean, you could have like vampires and ghosts and all those other things, and he's not that, that that protagonist may not at all be prepared to deal with the reality that's you, a Bureau 13 team. Of course, you really do want to avoid the plot hammer as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't have to, if you don't have to force it, don't force it. Also, I think you know, putting people on the rails is is always you know, as we said, that's the plot hammer. Remember, it's it's like a million times easier to send your adventurers into the future and let them come back to their normal time than it is the other way around. Yes. Okay. Try to avoid non sequiturs. You know, we understand that the agents don't have the big picture, but if they're expected to pull together completely disparate events that are occurring because this person is doing these things, then... That lack of connection better be a penetrable illusion. If time is self-limiting, then making changes should be hard. Okay, so therefore, if someone starts killing people, for example, it might be that these people have birthdays that are differentiated by a prime number of days. And this is done to create a non-smooth wave effect that will propagate into the future. That should be something they can figure out, something that kind of makes sense. But to say, okay, I've got to do like X number of things in order to get this thing in the future to happen. And they really, they only come together as being important like five years from now. Well, there's just no way that this Bureau, your Bureau 13 agents are going to be able to do it, figure it out. There's got to be some kind of connection between them that they can figure out. And, you know, so don't don't have your adventure based on non sequiturs. It's sort of in the elastic universe, elastic time theory, but it's one where you go back in time and you shoot Richard M. Nixon and you come back and everything's the same except Richard M. Nixon died. And it's like, what, wait a second, you know, uh, what, what's going on here? And that right there, I would say, was poor, is poor t- history changing at that point. Yeah, why, why did you run the adventure, right? Or if you have adventures that solve themselves. Yes. Auto-run adventures. Okay, so if the players screw up and, they, and, and, and time should be disrupted, so you go ahead and make sure that something happens to keep that from happening. You just removed all agency from the players. Yeah. It's a terrible adventure as a result. This also happens when you have super powerful helpers that, you know, that are there with the players. And, and so, you know, nothing important is, is being done by the players. It's all being done by the super powerful being who knows all. Uh, doctor? The, the master, the, the, the guardian of time, gets shot by accident. And the other guy is forced to take his place. Mm-hmm. The yeah. players can I- shoot whatever hyper-powerful being and end up fixing things. 
I mean, if you think of a like a hyper competent character like the Doctor, uh, you, there are ways of dealing with that. I mean, like as I said, I ran an adventure where Sherlock Holmes, another great example of a hyper competent character who had to rely on the other character, on the player characters, to resolve the problem. Paul, you remember that adventure? You know, uh, the, the Doctor basically not Doctor, the Sherlock Holmes. Hyper competent person, but he's, he's still required you guys to help him to solve the to solve the mystery. Right, but if he didn't, then it would be a poor adventure. Yes, yeah, you'd just be along cheering him on. Yay, Doctor! Yay, you know uh, Sherlock. Because you're going to be his companions during that story, and and what his companions do is remind him that he is that he that even though he's a time lord he's still a person and these are still people and you still got to help them so you got to yeah. be his jimmy jimmy cricket and be his conscience and make him do something he doesn't want to do and they've done a pretty good job in the last couple of seasons showing the dark side of the doctor because up till then you know we always remembered him as the grandfatherly you know character that you know always always meant well all the time and never really got his mad on by himself with no companion, you don't want to be around this guy. Yeah, bad things do happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that was all I could come up with as far as things to worry, you know, to 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 avoid as far as running, you know, in creating a, uh, a time travel-oriented adventure. I have a piece for you. What about the aftermath mm. of time travel? Yeah, things that that are a little different, things that didn't go quite the way what you were expecting. What do you oh. do? How do you fix those? Do you fix them? I'm thinking that British TV show that was that um, that had all those time holes with dinosaurs coming out. What was that show? Primeval. 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 Example of a rewrite in the middle of the series. They actually rewrote history and changed it to the point where, oh, wait a second, this is not the same place we were in. That we were that we you know basically it was a rewrite and they and they were able to notice the rewrite they actually wrote out one of the people he just didn't exist anymore. I ran a time travel adventure where uh, somebody from the far future came back at the turn of the century and took over the world, and most of the adventure what was me basically telling them how one person after another tried to stop this being and just failed to do so. And finally, you know, the, the, the Bureau came to the conclusion that the only way to stop this being was to literally go back in time to the moment it appeared and cack it then. You know, just, just deal with it right then before it got its wits about itself after the time trip. And that's what the team had to do. They had to go and do a couple of things. They had to actually go th- travel through time to pick up some items that they needed in order to come back to the future and, you know, the present, actually, their, their past, and stop this thing and, and therefore change, change their present and change the future. Um, and they were successful, at the end of which it was like, okay, great, you know, it's just as if it never happened. You know, and then they and they all sat back, and 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 then and then the wife, one of the other PCs, the wife of one of the player characters, comes out of the kitchen, and she's six months pregnant. That's great. <laughs> I think you mentioned. I think you, 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 yeah, you talked about this before. I think. Yeah, uh, I hate to say I this, did. if I was six years ago, <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> 
the look on that player's face and the gir- the the girl who was playing the character. <laughs> she just looked like what? <laughs> because they were married. I mean, you know, it could have happened, but the th- fact was, is it? It didn't happen, but it did. You can have you can have you can have a McFly change where he comes back and his father is a successful author, yeah, and the family is you know doing well, right? So, and that's what happened. They, I mean, at some point you know, there was some kind of a slippage. It wasn't a hundred percent. There was some variance that occurred. So I wanted to just throw that in so that they could just kind of go, hmm. Of course, that kind, that kind of slippage almost sounds could make sure that Marty was born and his brother and sister were born and they all looked the same. That kind of slippage says there's someone out there going, yeah, okay, this little sperm and this leg come together. Okay, we got this kid now. All right. You know, they're making sure that, that they are actually born and not was that one from from uh, Red Red Dwarf Sperm in Laws get born? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also I remember the uh, when the the uh, they were back in the 1960s and they after the after the world fell apart they had to take Kennedy and Kennedy had to go back in time and shoot himself for being such a jerk. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that was that was Twilight phenomenal. Zone. That, that was, was the Twilight what? Zone. Uh, no, Twilight no, Zone, that I was think. the. Uh, that was a red dwarf. Red dwarf. Oh, yeah. matter of fact, right, I got, yes, I got the T-shirt on about that right now. About the men in the grassy knoll. It'll drive the conspiracy nuts crazy, but they'll never work it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh but, but then, but then there's a. Uh, I think it was either the Twilight Zone revival, or it might have been the dark. Um, it's basically the Once and Future King, where a fan of Elvis goes back in time and meets Elvis only to find out that Elvis isn't exactly, you know, musical. Yeah. No, no. He, 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 he hates rock and roll. It's, it's devil's music. And they get into a fight and he kills Elvis. Oh, by the way, he happens to be an Elvis impersonator. Are you sure you're not thinking of, um, Bruce Campbell film? Of a hotel. That is very much along the lines of that, where it turns out that the Elvis that died was a, an Elvis impersonator who he had, sw- he had swapped with because he wanted to get out, and he did. And now it's the future, and he's an old man in a uh, nursing home, and nobody believes he's Elvis, even though he is. Nope, it's, it's, it was the reboot Twilight Zone. I'm looking at it right now on Wikipedia. You know, so he ends up having to live Elvis's life as, a, as the ultimate Elvis impersonator. <laughs> you know. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. Up to a point. <laughs> Up to a point till you realize, okay, now I have to go take a bunch of bunch of amphetamines and drugs and then go to the bathroom. <laughs> uh-huh, that's right. Flush your life away. And get buried in the backyard <laughs> was, like a dog. Yeah. He, he <laughs> took codeine and he was allergic to codeine. Oh, okay. That's what got him. Ah. Okay, anything else, guys? Well, I mean, okay, we didn't talk about, you know, folks who wander into the land of fate and wander back out different time. That's the inadvertent time travel that isn't really time travel. Yeah, and that's basically dealing with those folks. And let me me add, okay, Um, and Tritax Bureau uh, Bureau 13 Extreme has at least four time travel stories on it, all related, and they're probably some of the best stuff I wrote in years. Okay, so make sure you guys go out and get yourself like, 
a copy of Bureau 13 Extreme available on the at uh, tritaggames.com. Yep. And also, if you if you run into a, a Dionychus who's got a box full of crystals, shoot him. Shoot him as many times as you can. Did you get the, uh, you got that one, Richard? You know who I'm talking about? Uh, a Dionychus. Uh, no, Doctor Dinosaur from Atomic from Atomic Robo. Oh no, I didn't. I'm, I'm not familiar with that. Oh yeah, yeah. If you, you read the Atomic Rob, Robo, Atomic Ro- Robot series, and uh, uh, yeah, Doctor Dinosaur claims to be from the Creta- <sighs> from the was it the Cretaceous? Jurassic or Cretaceous? No, Cretaceous. Yeah, and he's used and he used uh, crystals to travel to the future. So Atomic Robo thinks he's here one or two things: one, crystals don't work. And two, he's probably a failed lab experiment who convinced himself he's from the past. And crystals don't work. <laughs> even though this guy has built, even this dinosaur has built things that, you know, you look at and go, and how does it work? Crystals! And, <laughs> like, you know, Megasaurus Rex. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. I hope that we brought you some uh, some good stuff on time travel. Thanks a lot for being part of our 300th episode. Yeah. And if we can make it to 400 episodes. 500. 500. 500, whatever. It'll be amazing, and I'm all for it. So, you know, uh, get onto our Facebook pages and uh, let us know that you want us to keep doing this. Send us ideas for podcast episodes so we can bring the awesome to you because that's always been our goal at TriTech Games is to bring the awesome to you about everything that we do. So we're here for you, and we just need you to let us know what you need, and we'll be there. And uh, we'll have more for you next week. But until then, this is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. And this is Paul. And this is Tohoka. Didn't we just do this? This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tohoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.